Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 195th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere, Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me today, the Bucky Lasek to my Rune Glyphberg. You can often find her doing stiffies down at the Halfpipe. You can also find her on the socials, at Miss Sally Hart. Miss Sally Hart, how are you doing today? Oh, that was a good entry. Every time we start, I always am like extremely curious, like, like what's his twist going to be this episode? What is he going to refer to me as? And that was a good one. That was a good one. I appreciate it that get, one. It gets tough because I don't take notes on them i just sort of just go off the cuff so they have a high probability of failing very very badly so um i I loosely stuck the landing you know like that initial time that tony hawk landed that 900 that's how i felt like it was sort of a bit shoddy sort of went down almost onto his knees but he stuck it and that's that's how i'm feeling right now i've got the fist in the air um after a successful sexful landing on that uh that intro hey listeners guess what we're talking about this episode Mm. animal crossing new horizons oh guaranteed guaranteed but i actually have a confession i am slowing down the animal crossing playing um dramatically actually it's literally like a wake up check in on the animals grab the fossils grab a diy log off and then at night just before like anything else log on and log on again and get that last diy from someone and then just log off it's, like, it's similar, sim, similar similar circumstances here in the uh, the Brisbane Hungry HQ uh, where much the same, like you've sort of broken through endgame and, and you've got the island just about how you want it to be for the most part. There's a few minor things you could be, you know, tweaking yeah. and trying to perfect. But I'm with you. Just jump on, sort of see what the DIYs, check the shop, see if there's any cool oh, yeah. items in the shop, cruise around, find the little message in a bottle DIY and then, then bust out of there again for another day. Like... You know, and, and that's no detriment to the game. Like we've no. gotten several hundred hours in this game apiece. So yeah. yeah, but just not much to do now. And I just want more things to do. I'm hoping with some of these next events or with with these games, because I'm still clueless of is a lot of the back history. Have they brought out like DLC or anything? Or is it mostly just these timed events based off real world events like seasonal things? And it's mostly dependent on timed events um, or like um, previous events that they had in the other variations of the game. But um, DLC, I think could it could be something, especially on this new console and this new generation. But um, yeah, for the most part, it's just yeah seasonal events. Especially on the money they've made with this game. Like if they're not thinking about making some DLC, like they're insane like it is selling like gangbusters still uh so yeah i think it's in their best interests and also interests of the the players of this this game to to make some dlc give us a bit more a bit more heart maybe an island expansion where we can get even just two more give me two more villages give me some some more houses and, and yards to decorate with a little bit more space i just i just need something yeah i can see that i was going to complain that yeah i'd like to have more uh islanders on my island but i still have that spare 10 spots saved for hamlet so i'm i'm working on that at the moment i've um <laughs> i've started doing some some testing where bring an islander in and then obviously then force them out and then on the the day of the move out be like yo hamlet's hamlet's here get in quick because he's he's gone so i'm, I'm working my way through uh bringing islanders in only to vote them out at the moment i feel very cruel i feel very tom nook like with this tyranny that I'm uh, sort of ruling with here at Sharkfin Island, but yeah, hopefully we can have Hamlet on your island in the uh, in the next few days. All things going well. I appreciate the efforts. Dude. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> this this these are the lengths we go to um, when we get bored in this isolation life. It's like, what can we do here? What can we do to kill time and feel like we've achieved something today? <laughs> Become asshole landlords. <laughs> yep. Yep, just like happening in real life. Oh, and one other thing before we pivot off Animal Crossing, I wish they'd give us the opportunity to build or place like empty buildings to make them into more stores. I hate that the fact you can only do like 
tiny little fence walls and things like that to make your your cafes and your restaurants and whatever else like that's one thing i'd love as little buildings that you could place around oh the i see what you mean yeah i've had to um improvise with this like i think it's called the simple panel just mm-hmm. to yep. and fencing as well so you gotta do what you gotta do yeah just give me some roofs because i want to put like another arcade in but i'm like i don't want electronics outside because clearly when it rains they'd break like i'm getting too stuck in the <laughs> finer <literal>. details <laughs> So, yeah, so yeah, Animal Crossing, it's sort of shifting into the back burner status at the moment. Mm. Um, but then another game that was sort of on the back burner that's come back to the forefront is a bit of Apex Legends for moi. Yeah. Season 5 has just dropped this past week uh, with some nice map changes, some nice uh, quality of life improvements. They brought in another legend. Loba has uh, made her way to the battlefield. And how? She's a hoot. Um, she's a, she's a good looking rooster and she is a hell of a fun, like hell of a amount of fun to play. A lot of, a lot of tactics with, with sort of her abilities. Like she's got this, um, bracelet you can sort of throw into areas in, around you and you'll sort of teleport there. So you can sort of either use that as an escape tool or a tool to, to sort of circle around your enemies or get Ooh. to higher ground. And then, um, her ultimate ability is really cool, uh, where she, op- like she's got her staff and she plants in the ground and it opens up the black market, which in itself is just grabbing all the items within a certain vicinity of where you plant the staff. So instead of having to go and loot the buildings, it just pops up with your shop front and then you go, okay, I'll grab that gun. I'll grab this item. I'll grab the shield. You can only grab two items per person. So you and the squad mates can only grab maximum of six items, but then it stays open too. So if there was another enemy loba running around, you can jump into that black market if it's not getting used and and grab some stuff too. So it's, it's a really cool little, little device to give you some advantage early on and, and cut down a lot of that loot time. That is, that is a very unique, um, move. Like I, I wonder where they came up with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very different. Like, uh, she's classed as like in the same class as Lifeline, who I'm usually typically maining. So mm-hmm. they're both more support utility. So I get where it's coming from in that regard, where it's it's just like yeah, instant instant pop up shop from everything in the area. But it's it's tough because obviously you don't start with with your ultimate ready, so you can't just pop it the second you land and get stuff. No. But yeah. when you when you're traversing, um, most of the regions have already been picked. So it's tough to know when to drop it when you are running into new areas. Do you just pop it and hope you can get gear and keep moving? Or do you just keep holding it to later in the game to see where there is some areas you come across that haven't been touched yet? So it's sort of a bit of a gamble in that regard. Oh, okay. So you can open shop and have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you drop it, like it's like you see this big sort of um, transparent bubble when you when you're going to park it down that just shows you sort of the read range of the of the black market so any building or area that falls in that it will then pull all those items through so weapons mods ammo and uh armor still such a curious curious mm-hmm. old but okay yeah all right. it's really cool and just the map change-ups like they've they've taken out skull town and one of the other areas and put like this big like excavation area where they're digging up this big giant like uh, carnivorous dinosaur or reptile fossil thing oh, that's nice. in there and, and they've got a um like this sort of stunt course area that that ties into um i'm having a mental blank now what's the knock octane octane not noctane octane sort oh. of like a little octane themed area with jump pads everywhere and like almost like motocross jumps <laughs> and berms and things so but yeah it's it's great some just i like that they're giving this a constant new coat of paint with mm-hmm. these sort of seasonal changes, bringing in new characters, nerfing, buffing, just to make this game still feel fresh. And um, yeah, I'm keen as a bean. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. My KD ratio at the moment, it's like 1.2, which like it's the first time I've had it like in positive yeah. on Apex in a good long while. So I'm feeling feeling Apex at the moment. It's been great. I really should return, but it feels like such an effort to get back in there. Like, a lot of grind. Yeah, that's and I just don't think I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 tough. It's it's one of those games or any any of those sort of competitive shooters. Yeah, the more the more you play, the better you get. And if you are just jumping in, jumping out occasionally, you'll feel the pain and, yeah, and my struggle. first few games I was uh yeah, white knuckling, I was pretty pretty stressed and pretty frustrated <laughs> as I as I tend to get sometimes playing these games. But oh, uh, yeah. digging it, digging it. So you have been playing Streets of Rage four. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a part of Game Pass, which oh really? I, yeah, which I thought was really really weird. Um, That's cool. 
Uh, so I actually played it on Xbox. Uh, and look, I'm going to say that, like, preface that I did see, like, a lot of people were already playing it and saying how awesome it was. I'm like, all right, calm down. It's, you know, it's a game and it was good in its time. But they were so right. This game is absolutely phenomenal. It's incredible how it has the same level of, like, how familiar it is like it's like built into your system but then it's not boring where you feel it's repetitive or anything like that like it just feels like like a familiar like yeah like organic kind of feeling inside of you where you're just like i, I know this but i'm not bored of this yet so yeah yeah it's, so that muscle memory came straight back yes yes it did um i i've got to say that like the chaos that i remember as a kid especially playing co-op because I'm sure, I'm sure my neighbors here are a bit worried because like when you're like playing with my husband and then just having it like talking about like I'm like hey you're hitting me you just threw that bottle at my head stop punching me <laughs> like and just the windows open and I'm like oh the neighbors are probably a bit concerned but Tony call the police I think yeah. there's disturbance next door <laughs> yes you're throwing him <laughs> yeah but um I mean there is like a you can turn off like friendly so um but we well, that's good yeah we kind of, we forgot to do it so it just turned into a beautiful chaotic mess um yeah i think it's like the element of like why it doesn't get boring is because the stages aren't long they're always introducing new characters and like there's all the like there's a lot of characters that i remember from the original but i feel like there's also some newer characters that i don't recognize um i mean stories not important i feel <laughs> like there is a story there but i'm i'm not really like forwarding like following it too much um because this is number four i'm not too familiar with the, too much of the previous ones so i could be getting information wrong but there's two additional characters that i'm not familiar with okay. um but i didn't play them because i had to play my lovely lady in red and i'm yet to see do you remember the characters there was like a dominatrix chick with a whip yeah i've only seen her once i've only reached for anyone else that's playing it i've only reached like like chinatown i've only reached that area and okay. absolutely got my ass handed to me um but <laughs> i mean anyone that played it in their youth ages ago or maybe even if you picked it up recently or whatever if you have that like memory that precious memory of playing the original you're going to love it it's great it's so good and maybe even if you hadn't played it it's just a like it's just like a good like kind of throwaway game where you're just like beating the shit out of people <laughs> the, and the, the couch co-op functionality mm. in that game is pretty great so yeah. uh I, I didn't know it was on games pass so i'll i'll get that on the download because i started downloading um moving out which oh, is also yeah. on games pass because mm. i want to give that a go as well so uh, yeah, I think I'll do a little bit of local co-op this this week with with Rage Four and um, yeah, moving out and see how they go. But mm. yeah, I just got really fond memories of playing the original Streets of Rage games on the SNES as as a youngin. Yeah, that's where Sega. I first played them. Yeah. So um, yeah, looking forward to getting in there and side scrolling my way to uh, violent violent victory. Like I just remember some of the moves and yeah, some of the enemies and. Yeah, just the friendly fire aspect I thought oh, was always great where yeah. you're trying to trying to smack everybody into oblivion as quick as you can, but then you get a stray uppercut from your, from your mate or yeah, a trash can gets lobbed your way and it clocks you in the back of the head or something. Exactly. I don't know how many times like I had a pipe thrown at my head due to friendly fire, but um, it's, it's great. It's the right amount of chaos. So um, I just... I, I absolutely adore that this game from like my childhood came back and they didn't change it too much for it to feel like a different game. Like it feel like what I'm trying to say is that it feels like the game of my childhood without it being like unoriginal. Like it's, it's really, really good. So I feel like a lot of people probably should get on board and I mean, Hey, we are always preaching it now. So, you know, get, you know, game pass. Yeah. I, and I've seen a lot of, sort of nostalgia buffs or retro fans like from our circle like dusty and reese both were playing this and dusty especially who's probably the biggest retro purist that i know he was gushing about this game like absolutely mm. adoring every aspect of it so yeah there's some high praise out there from a lot of people from our circle or even just people yeah that grew up playing this game in that similar age bracket to us saying that it's very faithful to the to the earlier games in the series and well worth the time and on games pass it's 
what what more do you need if you haven't got games pass you can get it you know free for the first 14 days or it's like a dollar if you get the the ultimate edition one for the first month yeah and then after that it's you know 10 bucks or whatever like it's, it's chump change it really does essentially pay for itself in the end as long as you are a person obviously that you know has the time to play games maybe if you're not a frequent player then maybe the investment wouldn't be much for you but if you are finding yourself like playing games either daily or multiple times a week and then you kind of also see yourself kind of going i want to try something new but i don't know what it's there Mm. for you there's an extensive library with so many different unique games in there so yeah it's it's like it's the modern day video rental store yeah just but you're paying just a monthly fee you're going in you're walking those digital aisles you're like i'll try this i'll try that i'll try this exactly yeah you don't like it uninstall it Mm. Mm. um quick quick sort of mention started watching the second season of dead to me this week it is so great i forgot (laughs) how good that show was like marginally because i know we talked about it like i think just last week saying how good that show was and you should check it out but the second season the the drama and the tension in this show gets dialed up to like 13 out of 10 like Mm. it is bonkers you sit there and go oh surely they can't make this even more melodramatic or more sort of on edge but yet something happens or like they'll introduce this character or this little breadcrumb you're like oh fuck jesus christ i can't wait to watch this so we've binged eight out of the 10 episodes in the past like 24 hours and got a couple more to go and it's so great more good television on netflix and also watched the fourth season of the last kingdom this past week finished watching that which is which is pretty good you know vikings light is the way i see it Uh, (laughs) it doesn't have the budget and the tone and probably the harshness of vikings um which obviously is done through history and over here on sbs and what have you but last kingdom's pretty cool uh Mm. good acting just not the quality overall of, of a Vikings, but still good fun. I yeah. really enjoyed that as well. You actually just reminded me, I can't remember what it's called. I don't know if it's Forge and Steel, but um, my husband's like showing me this show where people make their own swords or blades. Forge and, and Fire. Yeah. It is so, well, so good. I'm all about it. I think this is a spin off that because they they take their blade and then they go through a course, like a circuit oh, where yeah. they have to like chop. And, and it had, was that the one that Goldberg was the host yes, of? Yes. Yeah. And at first I'm like, this is stupid, but now I'm like so into it. It's so like good. These, these like men in their like forties wearing khaki pants with a polo shirt tucked in, but then they're walking around with this blade slicing the crap out of everything and then roaring at the end it's oh, i'm all about it i'm on board like it, it is peak reality television at the moment like yes there is some absolute dumpster fire shows out there but then there's gems like that where oh, yeah so just these johnny randos that are blacksmiths or bladesmiths or whatever else they want to typecast them as building these medieval weapons of war and then taking them to courses and seeing how sharp they are and you know, if it will keel or if it will cut or whatever else. Like, it's so good. It is it. so, so good. It's like, it is even the thing at the beginning, but like before they even reach the course, there's a guy that tests it out on like a long stick of bamboo. And he, if it passes and he even has to say the cringiest line of your weapon or your blade makes the cut. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to check out Forged in Fire as well, which is the one they I don't do. do like the full course, but they do uh multiple stages of weapon building and then they do yeah, tests of it against like, you know, a, a pig carcass or whatever. And there's like this this sort of um one of the bladesmith guys and he does the the sort of the kill tests and then after <laughs> he's like, Your blade will kill and he does it with like this big <laughs> smile every single time. It is it makes my day. It I really does. Because I think like this must spawn from my interest. There was this other um I think it was the History Channel where they would put two like 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 gangs against Aztec warriors and Oh Deadliest Warrior. Is that it? Was that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. I fucking yeah. loved that show. And it was so good and then I can't find it anywhere anymore. But maybe I've been getting the name wrong. Deadliest Warrior is the um is the that show you're thinking of and uh David Wenham the Aussie guy that was that was probably notably the I can't remember his character name in 300 the the oh. one that loses his eye that sort oh, of is yeah. sort of um documenting it he's the he's the, the vocal host of that thing oh, so good I didn't realize that there was this like element of me that just loved like weapons so I'm going to have to go down a very dark path I think 
Yeah, and I feel bad. I'm trying to Google it at the same time right now. Um, oh, Man at Arms is one you need to check out on YouTube if, you, if you're going down this weapon build path. Man at Arms is a crew in America and they build the, the weapons from video games. So they'll build like what? Cloud's Buster Sword like in real life or like Genji's Katana out of like obviously real metals and make them into real weapons in real life. So that's one to check out. They'll do like, uh, you know, Thor's hammer and whatever else, all these all these real weapons or weapons from pop culture, from video games and yeah. film, TV and comics, they build them and then try them out as well. So Man at Arms on YouTube is another one to check out. Benny got me onto those guys last year and that's that's a journey as well. Oh boy, I'm, I'm on a path. It is it is a great path. It is a great great <laughs> path. Like I've like same similar situation with with you your house. Like Rach and I were big fans of watching um yeah Forged in Fire and stuff like that. And just seeing these you know these dudes barely out of high school or like these old ex tax agents and they're like budding bladesmiths making making these weapons of war and and you know taking showing their little home forges when they yes. they go home and see their little forge in the backyard or out in the wilderness where they're or making the all these weapons it's garage. so good it's just like i can imagine like being a neighbor of that person and they're saying oh bell's in the garage making a damn sword again mm-hmm. uh, your blade will kill it's so good <laughs> your blade has made the cut <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah bill goldberg hosting that show yeah it's good actually i thought it was going to be really bad but he's actually a good host mm. better than he was doing this other show called like bull rush or bull run where it was like a car race across america and he was the oh. host of that too not so good but yeah those those weapon based ones chef's kiss load them up all right quick bit of housekeeping obviously 8bitnation.net shop 8bit.net 8bit.net youtube.com forward slash we are 8bit patreon.com forward slash we are 8bit they are your hubs to find all things 8bit related obviously uh yeah, 8bitnation.net is a good central hub with direct access to our Discord, to our Patreon, to our giveaways, to our current competitions. We still do have a few days running for the final content creator pack given to us courtesy of Audio Technica. Simple to get in and get the entry in for that one. All you need to do is send us a photo on the emails, hello at 8bit.net or DM us on the Twitters at we are 8 bit uh, with a photo of your current content creator setup. And if you don't have one, that's fine. Just send us a photo of your blank studio where this uh, content creator pack could potentially go and just let us know why you need a sexy Audio Technica upgrade. So simple to enter. Obviously, it is just limited to Australia, New Zealand entrance for now, but we will be doing a future release of this competition in probably about another month's time, which we will open it up to the rest of the world. But anyone listening to ANZ, get your hands on a content creator pack and upgrade that setup. Really easy to do. And uh, once you're done checking that out, Obviously, audiotechnica.com or audiotechnica.com.au to get yourself some audio-based equipment. We're talking headphones, microphones, gaming headsets, turntables. You want in-ear, you want over-ear, you want noise cancelling, you want Bluetooth. They got it all. The best in audio-based equipment. We've been rocking their gear now for five years and we ain't going to change. It is the best and it has been looking after us since day one. So let them look after you too. Audiotechnica.com or audiotechnica.com.au. And last but certainly not least, be sure to rate, review, subscribe us as well as all the other podcasts in the hashtag 8-Bit Collective, as well as all the other podcasts you're listening to on the reg because those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts, costs you nothing, takes no time, but helps keep us tracking, helps keep us relevant, helps keep us happy. So thanks in advance for doing that. But let's get into some news. This week's news headlines. And the first bit of news, it's come via way of Jonathan Dornbush and IGN. And I... Uh, Decided to name this when I was doing this about 1am this morning. Stiffies and 900s making their return. Nice. Clearly, I wasn't sure what I had on the brain there. A bit of a combination of things, I'd imagine. But uh, this news article, as I said, via Jonathan Dornbush and IGN, Activision has announced Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, a compilation remake of the first two Tony Hawk Pro Skater games developed by Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy Studio Vicarious Visions, which has a long history with the series. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 will be released for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC via the Epic Games Store on September 4th, 2020, with pre-orders offering fans early access to a demo of the iconic warehouse level. The game is a remake compiling the first two games in the beloved franchise, including all levels, even the secret ones, and IGN spoke with Vicarious Vision Studio head Jen O'Neill to learn more about what's new and returning to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. 
Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 will introduce some new moves not featured in the original games, like reverts. But Vicarious Visions hopes that the muscle memory of the originals kicks in while playing. And that will be in part because VV employed the original handling code from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 devs, Neversoft. We started with Neversoft's original handling code. We started with that as a foundation and then laid on what we needed to do to modernize it, O'Neill said in an interview with IGN. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater will support competitive online play, but the remake will also feature split-screen multiplayer for those who want to play with friends locally. And Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2's online functionality will also extend to the return of the Creator Park and Creator Skater modes. Players will be able to share their creations online and VV is hoping to give players a wide array of options to build their dreamscape parks. Since its inception, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise has been married to its soundtracks, with locations and skaters as key to its identity as the songs that supported them. O'Neill is happy to confirm that all bar five tracks are skating their way into the games. But while the songs remain the same, the, the look certainly does not. Vicarious Visions, which was largely responsible for the impressive Tony Hawk's Pro Skater handheld games, has done a lot of ground-up work into the look of the games, as evidenced by the impressive first screenshots and gameplay. We wanted to match inch by inch the geometry of the levels so that those lines feel exactly the same as they were before. So with that as our starting point, but with all the assets, everything on top of Neversoft's handling code, it's all original stuff. O'Neill said of the work the developers have done on the updated versions. We went for a photo real quality, O'Neill explained, of the new look. We're using scanned material from getting the skaters to come back in and get scanned, photogrammetry references for textures and assets within the environment. So it all looks just luscious and beautiful. Let's make it make uh let's make it feel like you're in a skate video. Let's make it feel like you're in a Thrasher magazine taking those really awesome shots. <laughs> so hot damn. This came out of nowhere this yeah. week. Like just uh sneakily pushed out there was there was some leaks going around and then there was like a, a leaked text from tony hawk to like some friend that was doing the rounds about the game or, or the two games uh getting getting sort of announced imminently and uh here we are yeah for his birthday happy birthday tony he, yeah <laughs> he's decided to release on his birthday this is such a pleasant surprise and i I guess I'm a little surprised at how much of an impact this really had on the internet and the gaming community. Like, we know that it's like it's an infamous game for a lot of people, but I mean, everyone was stoked. Everyone was super excited about this announcement. I was excited. I know everyone in our group was excited about it. And just like, just like seeing it and how they kind of did um, like for like of like how it was and how they've improved it. It was just like, it's really exciting. And this year too. It's crazy, yeah. We don't have to wait long at all. Like the 4th of September, this game's dropping. Mm. And um, I love that they've gone sort of full circle with pre-orders getting early access to the warehouse level, mm. like way back in the day with the PlayStation 1 demo disc being the warehouse level as, as the first taster mm. for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater way back when. So I like that there is sort of a little hat tip to, to the origins there. Yeah. Um, one thing that we were talking about offline that we didn't sort of mention in the article there is I love that they've gone back and gotten the original cast, but scanned them in today. So they're all sort of older Rune Glyphbergs and Bucky Lasseks and, and yeah. Eric Costens and the like. I think that's really cool and, and like a nice nod to the past and the future. Yeah, I I was curious what they were going to do, if they were going to leave them just as is and buff or maybe go from like references from when they were younger. But I do appreciate that they've gone and said, no, let's... Let's show them how you are today. Let's immortalize that. And I think that's great. I think that's really cool because, I mean, a good chunk of them still skate. Yeah, it's it's really well done. And, like, the screenshots in the gameplay, it looks gorgeous. Mm. Like, just seeing sort of when they were doing the side-by-side comparisons of certain areas of, of certain maps mm-hmm. and just like, oh, my goodness, there is a lot of improvements here from just a graphical fidelity standpoint. Yeah, like, it's funny because, like, obviously looking at it and look at thinking about how long ago it was i'm like graphically i didn't think it was too terrible like for its time i still think like tony hawk was pretty good but then seeing just like how much they've improved and how like how much they've like put focus on like graphically and the environments and everything like i think they showed you that scene where you rolled down the roof at the school and just seeing those two side by side i'm like wow like something that I was totally okay with graphically, but then seeing it improved, it's just, it's really exciting. Like, how is this experience going to be the second time around? Much like with us saying like with Streets of Rage, like 
is it going to be that good level of like familiarity with like you know f- like a, that level of freshness as well so it's exciting it looks like it's hitting those emotional touchstones like as mm. as you said like so many people in our in our circles or just people we're following on on the internets that are in that same age bracket as us they're all like oh my god this is amazing can't wait makes me feel like a kid again blah 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 like it just seemed to be unanimous hype and hysteria. Like there wasn't any negativity that I saw. No doubt if you looked hard enough, you'd probably find some oh, out there in the internet. But from everybody that, that we follow that I saw, uh, it was all positive. It was all happy days. Everyone was excited. Everyone was keen as beans. And mm. um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to start skating again. Create a skater, build myself in there as, as I like <laughs> to in these games and, and sort of live my skate fantasies because i'm absolutely woeful on a skateboard in real life absolutely terrible still on the bucket list but as i get older it's gonna fade away um the one biggest concern was when they first announced it they kept on saying most of the songs from the original soundtrack um, and i would just remember like excuse me most and then i think it was only a bit later when they announced which songs made the cut um and like Luckily enough, obviously, Superman made it, which is really the main one I cared about. And I doubt they would have, like, they would have fought pretty hard for that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say Superman by Goldfinger is probably the definitive song from Tony Hawk. Like, that's the song I attach to Tony Hawk above everything else. Like, I'm a huge Goldfinger fan and have loved that band for forever and a day. But, yeah, th- that game and that song go hand in hand, I think. You can't have one without the other. So I'm happy yeah. to see that made at the end. There was, there was five that got chopped. Uh, Committed by Unsane, Psycho Vision by Suicidal Tendencies, Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. It's probably the biggest one of the five that yeah. didn't make it. B-Boy Document 99 by The High and Mighty and then Out With The Old by Alley Life. So that obviously falls into licensing and, and not being able to sort of get through a couple of that uh, those hoops and red tape. Yeah. Actually, bringing up the music, it came to my uh, awareness that if I played on Nintendo 64, that's how I got my Tony Hawk experience. But I found out that I got a different music experience than everyone else. Our this songs is crazy were shorter. to me. Yeah, apparently our songs were shorter and there were different songs. Like there was a bunch of songs that we didn't have. Nintendo just with their uh, probably not wanting to open up the wallet to to extend those licensing uh, for those tracks over to over to their platform or maybe maybe some of the songs in question were a bit controversial and they didn't want them on their maybe. on their brand. I don't know. Like it's very strange. I didn't know this existed. I thought it was just going to be universal across across platforms. But then thinking about it, it does make sense. Licensing yeah. is different in in certain regions and and product. I guess, but like the other thing was that I think if you played it on PlayStation, you got like a longer version of the song. Like it didn't just cut off. Is that true? Do you remember? Yeah, we got got the full track, like pretty much from from start to finish on just about every track that I can remember at least. Yeah, no, I always remember it getting cut off. I don't know if it's maybe the game mode that I was playing, but I never remember hearing like too much of like a full song. That's a shame. Bloody see, I, I only played it on the PlayStation, so I never got to experience Tony Hawk on on the Nintendo. So and just thinking about trying to play it on the sixty four controller just makes me shudder. That's my a other little concern. Bit. That's all I know. I know like, <laughs> you know, pulling tra- like, you know, the bumpers and everything like that and working with the D pad as well with the joining and I'm like, shit, I'm gonna have to relearn this game on a different controller. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I remember Circle where you grab tricks, square was your kick tricks, um, triangle was your grind, and then yeah, the L two and R two were your rotates. Mm. Um, I don't know if L one and R one, if I remember right, if they just sort of mirrored L two and R two. I can't remember, but I can't wait. Me too. I can't wait. We'll start a little gang. Hell yeah, a little skate crew. Get get together and play a bit of bit of horse. Yeah. Or skate. See how that goes as well. But yeah, September the fourth. The pre orders. If you pre order the game, you don't obviously only get access to the demo of the warehouse level but there's a like a collector's edition out there where you can get a birdhouse skate deck as well which looks Ooh. fucking phenomenal uh so yeah any skate fans that want to get on that i'd say there's probably going to be fairly limited supply so i need to move on and getting those pre-orders in nice and early to get the, the birdhouse deck because it's gorgeous definitely i love skateboards just in like for the art pieces oh, yeah. like i'm a terrible skater as i mentioned but i'd love ideally like when a 
own a house or whatever, like have a nice wall just of, of skateboards running along a wall with, with nice art pieces and things like that. But yeah, it got me so excited. So <laughs> excited. I can't wait to blast Goldfinger and um, yeah, just, just skate my little heart out. Just warehouse all day, every day. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and a quick sort of shout out. I don't know if you saw this um, earlier this week, but there was the first person this past week to land a 1080 um, on a vertical ramp occurred this past week. So obviously oh. Tony Hawk did the 900 way back in 1999 yeah. and it hadn't been beaten since. And um, yeah, a 1080 was completed this past week by a Brazilian skater named, I think you pronounce it Guy Curry. Apologies if I've butchered the name. It's G-U-I and then surname is K-H-U-R-Y. Have a guess how old this skater was that was the first to pop a 1080, which is three full rotations on a vert ramp. Probably 12. You were close. He's 11. Mm. 11 years old this little bugger and he's popped a 1080 like it's it's phenomenal he's hell of a skater i watched some highlights of him during the week and this little kid just got no fear maybe that's it maybe like when you're at that young age and you're like you're indestructible so that that yeah, level of like risk that you know you kind of develop unfortunately as you get older it's like non-existent in the youth mm-hmm. oh, listen to me let me grab Damn my cane well, uh, yeah, that level of risk uh, is also trying to get uh, avoided by Twitch because they have unveiled a new safety advisory council and uh, this article comes by a way of Rebecca Valentine over at GamesIndustry.biz. Twitch has announced the establishment of a new safety advisory council with the aim of informing and guiding Twitch on future decisions to improve platform trust and safety. In a blog post earlier this week, Twitch shared that the council will advise on topics such as drafting new policies and updating existing ones, developing new products and features, promoting healthy streaming and work-life balance habits, protecting the interest of marginalized groups and identifying emerging trends. Members of the council include Deputy CEO of Nonprofit The Diana Award, Alex Holmes, Director of the Center for Democracy and Technology's Free Expression Project, Emma Lanasso. Apologies for these people on here because there is some names that I may butcher. Florida Atlantic University Professor Dr. Samaya Hinduja, Annie Key Director of Research T.L. Taylor, and content creators Steph, ferociously Steph Lower, Kason Kapanoodle, Kajetchul Zizarin, and Ben Co Carnage Cassell. Twitch has historically been criticized for a number of issues the Safety Council intends to advise on, including inconsistent application of rules on sexual content that disproportionately penalize women, racist remarks from popular content creators, and failure to protect its content creators from harassment. So, as I said, sorry if I completely butchered some of those names there, but this this is interesting. What do you, what do you think about this, Miss Hart? I mean, unfortunately, you can't think anything of it until something, until you actually see it in play. It's definitely needed. It's a bit of a concern that they themselves as a company couldn't just initiate the rules that they've put in place and just stick to them. It's not difficult. I think by them having a, maybe a separate council, it kind of um, keeps their hands clean because um, a lot of the like semi-problematic streamers are an invested interest for twitch they're the ones that bring in the money so it should be interesting if this council comes forward and say hey you need to do something about so and so who is your highest earning streamer and if they go oh well no don't worry about it then maybe you know this is all for nothing maybe it's just all you know fluff but it's a good idea interesting to have like those specific streamers i don't know them Mm. but like why those three um but um also protecting the content creators is pretty important because there is a large scale of a lot of them being like harassed followed threatened um like to a dangerous amount um i think it was sweet anita she actually had a person stalk her and like find out where she lives moved close to her and, like, she even tried to contact the police, which was to little help. So, um, yeah, there is definitely a safety um, element that needs to be addressed as well. So, Yeah, I think, I think on its grounds, it sounds like a positive step from Twitch because, yeah, over the past several years, as, as we've covered these things more and more here at the THG, like, um, yeah, they, they just need to be more than a paper tiger, I think is the big thing. Like, it's all well and good that they've got this 
safety advisory council and they're bringing all these sort of third-party people as well as a few content creators to try and lead this council but they need to act when things do arise like I, I was surprised and sort of talking to, to Rachel about earlier that it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if like Dr. Disrespect was on this board for some reason, for some stupid tone deaf reason mm. that uh, Twitch, you know, put their put their meal ticket and their their premium money earner at the top of this thing. But um yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see when the next big issue does arise, how they handle it, mm-hmm. what they do as far as the advice and the recommendations they put forward does that become public knowledge or is it just they'll they'll you know table documents and recommendations and then just present it to twitch and that's all that's all that occurs like is this going to be shared in the public domain so we can see exactly what they're doing and recommending or is this going to be a bit more of just a fluff piece where twitch is saying look at us we're trying to make positive change here and we're going to crack down and all these bad streamers and all these bad viewers that are that are causing unrest and and strain and whatever else to this platform so yeah i don't know it sounds interesting but we'll see what comes of it if it is more than just a title if they do have some weight if twitch will change some of their policies or if they'll actually punish some of their meal like their their breadwinners deservedly so or if it just becomes more of the same so exactly i don't know time will tell time will tell uh but time also told us this past week about what Ghost of Tsushima is about because uh, our last uh, bit of news on the docket today comes via way of Matt Wales at Eurogamer. Ahead of its 17th of July launch on PlayStation 4, Sony has offered a closer look at developer Sucker Punch's open-world samurai adventure Ghost of Tsushima. And if there was any doubt left after previous showings, it looks utterly breathtaking. At its heart, Ghost of Tsushima appears to be a fairly traditional open-world adventure, enabling players to explore their titular island engaging with enemies along the way. There are two paths to the action, the samurai path, which sees protagonist Jin entering direct confrontations with opponents, and the ghost path, which offers a more stealthy approach to challenges. The former gives players access to a range of combat stances, with different stances proving more effective against different enemies, and sword players built around needing to parry enemies at the last possible moment in order to break their defenses. As for the stealth, its usual game of sneaker in distractions with players able to toss firecrackers, ring bells, or drop smoke bombs to get the slip on opponents grappling to higher ground if needs be. Indeed, Ghost of Tsushima is gorgeous, packed with endlessly arresting vistas that forever dance and sway in the wind. All shimmering blades of grass, swirling leaves, drifting fog, and flexing boughs. There are fields of rich deep greens pocked with starkly colored flowers, mountaintop shrines bathed in yellow blossoms, mist-shrouded lakes, moonlight huge settlements, and more, and it's never less than stunning. Better yet, Sucker Punch is doing its damnedest not to distract from that beauty by incorporating navigation mechanics integrated naturally within the world. Sony's latest live stream showcasing the the guiding wind, for instance, a more immersive take on your usual objective marker, with its directional gusts pointing players towards their next chosen destination. And for those that thrill in off-the-beaten-path exploration, subtle visual cues, whether they be smokestacks, unusually shaped trees, or wild animals are used to tease players to points of interest. Foxes, for instance, will lead players to shrines where minor charms can be found. There's certainly a touch of The Witcher 3 about Tsushima's horseback exploration and scavenging, but again, that's hardly a poor core to build your own unique action around. Elsewhere, Sucker Punch gave a brief look at charms used to increase the potential of different abilities and at armor sets, each offering different mechanical advantages and customizable using dye flowers. There's also a photo mode featuring familiar options such as color grading and depth of field, as well as more exotic additions, including the ability to adjust wind direction and particle effects, adding drifting fireflies or dancing leaves at will. Rounding off today's closer look at Ghost of Tsushima, Sucker Punch confirmed a Japanese voice track will be available for added authenticity, and those wishing to lean into the game's samurai movie, uh, samurai movie aesthetic can opt for Samurai Cinema Mode, which increases the wind, adds a stark black and white filter, and amplifies film grain. More will be revealed, according to the developer, in the run-up to the release on July 17th. Holy moly! So this was a 18 or so minutes trailer slash demo slash information session provided by Sucker Punch that dropped via the Sony channels uh, this past week. What do you think about this? Have uh, You've watched the video. You've Ooh. seen what it's about. Are you excited? Where you at? Um, I'm in a mix of feelings. Firstly, the game 
is like the environment is absolutely stunning like they couldn't have picked a more beautiful landscape and just also like contrasting landscapes like there's a bit of the dull darkness that they have but then there's these absolutely beautiful colorful like like with all the petals or like leaves just flowing in the wind and you know the like ancient temples and everything it's gorgeous i think at some occasions the game kind of had a disadvantage on like very like high contrast like like too much light entering Mm -hmm. a scene where sometimes the quality looked a bit kind of like bleh but for the most part like it is pretty stunning throughout and just like also the interactive like nature kind of like with environments and with you and then running through fields and just seeing the motion and it is a breathtaking game like it is absolutely stunningly beautiful gameplay wise i'm not too sure how i feel um i am more into the stealthy element being like an old tenchu fan um so i'm not too sure how i'm going to feel about maybe going down the samurai route so um but seeing it it still looks pretty cool still looks pretty um pretty fun to play so i mean i'm still excited for it it looks gorgeous yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited and um, full full spoilers. It was my first round vote in the eight bit invitational uh, that we did with our uh, fantasy video game draft for the year. So it's my vote for game of the year so far. And seeing this uh, eighteen or so minutes of gameplay and cinematics did not sway that opinion. It looks stunning. I'm with you, like massive Tenchu vibes. And if I can play Tenchu or something close to that mixed with a little bit more of that uh, samurai realness. I like that there's this, the stance options, mm-hmm. which just makes you think of like Bushido Blade and a few other like, um, God, what was, what's that sort of um, online PVP battler that Ubisoft released where you can play as Vikings and samurai and... Um, oh, for, uh, for Honor? Is for Honor. That's it. That's it. God, I'm blanking today. Like, uh, it remind me a little bit of that with the different stances and, and the different yeah. way to go about sort of parrying and, and knocking down your enemy's, enemy's guard. So I really like that it's more than just a hack and slash where you're just sort of pressing, I don't know, square for, for your low attack and triangle for your high attack, for example. So mm-hmm. I like that there's some strategy there so you can have them really cool traditional sort of samurai battles where where you are in the in the cane fields or whatever and you've got the, the sun rays behind you making them real cinematic uh, cinematic shots i'm mm. super keen to probably play this game with the japanese track playing over it and even in the in the black and white sort of grainy film mode mm-hmm. just to get a full full cinematic experience which is great like great little ad by a sucker punch on that i think yeah it's like that was actually one thing that i was kind of like man i really wish they did a japanese track i don't understand why they went with like just full-on english dialogue and then seeing that they've added it, i'm like bless you bless you so much you thought of everything they really did and like the attention to detail where you're seeing Jin walking around these various environments and just the the wind playing with certain elements or the light or just sort of pollen and, and as you were talking about like leaves and things just sort of all living within this world like it's a very realized island that you're going to be running around on it's very mm-hmm very um focused i think from from the ground up like they've they've taken a lot of time and care into making sure every element is there because it's meant to be mm-hmm. and i like that there isn't the traditional map with the the arrow you know go this way or go that way like they're playing yeah. with the the wind paths and, and things to show you which way to go just little nods like that so it won't break that cinematic experience that we're talking about yeah like i know that i haven't actually played the witcher 3 um, but actually seeing them make a reference of The Witcher 3, like I've, I've watched gameplay of Witcher 3 and then I did definitely see like little elements where I'm like, you know what, I feel like a lot of fans of The Witcher franchise, they would definitely be into this because it, there's a lot of familiarity between it, like gameplay wise, that I think, you know, translates between them both. So yeah, I, I it looks it looks incredible. I really hope that like you know you know how sometimes with those games that are usually quite visually stunning and have a mm-hmm. few like i don't want to call them gimmicks but things that make them relatively unique um sometimes they don't have enough to draw players through the entire gameplay so i just hope it's like successful from start to finish me too me too and um on that witcher front like i certainly can see where the comparisons are coming from i just hope 
that Jin's horse handles better than uh, Roach does in the Witcher <laughs> franchise because uh, it's like trying to sort of steer a tank around sometimes on the back of poor old Roach. So hopefully Jin's horse is a little bit more uh, flexible than fluid in their movements. But mm. yeah, I cannot wait. I'm very excited that it's coming out in literally two months' time. Just looking at the date now, 17th of May here. Yeah. So two months' time, we're getting this. And obviously in between that, we're getting The Last of Us Part 2 next month so the next eight weeks is sony season that's for damn sure like two of the biggest games of 2020 playstation exclusives both popping up within the next eight weeks or you know obviously when the last of us drops within three and a half to four weeks we're going to have two huge huge franchises making their way to consoles that kind of sucks but i feel like a lot of um fans of i guess of last of us i actually don't know how long the la- the previous game was but i feel like people probably be churning through that within a week so i think so i think yeah. so i'm i'm debating trying to take a day off work or something or two days off work and just cramming through it just so i can get my fix get my uh joel yeah. and ellie fix and, and see what's happening there in, in naughty dog world yeah i just feel like with ghost of tsushima i'm I'm, just, I'm gonna be my typical self where i say f you to the main story and i'm just gonna be side questing and just traveling here and traveling there so running around patting foxes exactly <laughs> riding horses with the birds i love that that has become such a key pillar of games these days like you see an animal's like can you pat it though yeah can you can pat you, it oh you can't can, okay oh, i'm can't. buying this game <laughs> yeah it's old <laughs> yeah uh but i cannot wait july 17 goes to shima it is gonna be i think a day one purchase for most people out there mm. and probably one of the best games of 2020 when it's all said and done i think yeah. i think it's going to review really well if it if it delivers on what they're showing in this uh 18 minute demo and, and gameplay i think we're looking forward to a very very good experience come uh july 17th and mate it's an early birthday present for me my birthday's three days later so uh <sighs> huzzah it's a heavy year for game of the year oh yeah oh yeah it's a good year for gamers shit year for the rest of the world with uh covid and everything else but uh anyone wants to stay home and game perfect time to be alive (laughs) (laughs) all right let's let's move into the next part of this episode new releases and events all right so new release and events of note for this upcoming weekly cycle i wanted to highlight uh highlight the game man eater which is uh, making its way to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and the PC on the 22nd of May, 2020. Uh, you you play the role of a shark and you're pretty much just trying to eat as many things as you can. You're cruising around the canals, you're cruising around the beaches and you're just eating fish, eating people, living your best Jaws life. Uh, it looks so great. It looks so over the top and it looks like something that would belong uh, releasing on like the earlier playstations and xboxes you know there's them crazy zany games that you sort of Mm -hmm. see more frequently back in previous gens it's like that it's just got this weird time capsule nostalgia uh to it and um to sort of get excited and leading up to the hype of man eater archer and i've been playing uh this game called feed and grow fish which is a game where you can pick various types of um sea fish and the aim is to eat to get bigger to then be able to take on more enemies so you can start as like a little little tiny fish in the ocean you start eating like plankton and and starfish and get bigger and then you can start eating other big fish then you can eventually battle like whales and megalodon and all this kind of crazy stuff so uh i'm i'm in i'm in the the eating sea creature mode big time at the moment so i cannot wait for me and eater to come out this week and uh i didn't get on the switch i think it'd be perfect for the switch this game sounds like it should be Speaking of the Switch and new releases, my damn Star Wars racer didn't come out, so... I know. Delayed. Indefinitely. God damn it. I haven't seen a revised date yet. Truth be told, I haven't looked outside of when I saw the delay. Mm. But uh, later this year is from what I saw. And I love that they they came out with this a week before the game was meant to drop. Saying, oh, yeah, sorry, it's delayed because working from home has been hard. I'm like, wouldn't you have known this like a month ago if you're not tracking? Yeah, whoopsie daisy. Oh god, so sad, so sad. But in regards to what they've been like mentioning that's coming out, um, Golf with Friends uh appeared on my Switch um releases and I'm like, Oh, that's actually that's how seems like a really decent game to actually put on the Switch. So um Golf with your friends is something I might end up downloading in its place. 
Nice, nice. Golf with friends, or you could get uh, Mafia Two, the definitive edition, which comes out on mm. May the nineteenth. Yeah, a lot of Mafia nice. hype this week. I know we didn't talk yeah. about it in the news, but uh, yeah, sort of the Mafia bloody trilogy getting getting remastered and, and pimped out for twenty twenty. Like graphically, wow, another chef's kiss. Looked awesome. Yeah. Um, latest Mafia that came out about two years or so now. It's kind of shitty, but the original one and two, which was set in sort of the earlier time periods, was phenomenal. So. Mm. Um, yeah, get hyped for that, mafioso fans. Yeah. But uh, let's move into the last part of the pod. Tweet of the week. This one comes by way of Aussie boy, Skill Up YT or Skill Up YouTube. And uh, the tweet reads, It is absolutely wild that even after spending millions on talent and a literal pandemic locking people inside and chaining them to their screens, Mixer picked up 0.2% in a market that grew 99%. So this relates to um, statistics that were shared this past week where the live streaming industry is having its moment with 99% year-over-year growth and it highlights Twitch, it highlights YouTube gaming, Facebook gaming and Mixer and um, sort of looking at the year-on-year growth percentages, uh, yeah, at the bottom, Mixer 0.2%, Facebook gaming 238%, YouTube gaming 65% and then Twitch 98%. Um, so... Uh, that that ties into hang on yeah so 98% or 101% if you're including non-gaming content just chatting music etc so my goodness gracious um, yeah. it is a boom time for content creators not so much on the mixer front because then you break it down to the hours watched um, in April alone 2020 uh, mixer 37.1 um, million hours, Facebook gaming 291 million hours, YouTube gaming 461 million hours, and Twitch at 1.491 billion <laughs> hours with a B, not an M, a B. Oh god, it's daunting. I wonder if um though the Twitch one, the remember how there was like the Valorant? Oh, the Valorant, yeah, just people everyone trying to get them that, keys. Everyone was churning. But to be honest, I've actually noticed a real spike in um, content being delivered, but just different kind of content. Um, I now follow the Monterey Bay um, Aquarium, which is just near San Francisco, I think. And they have been doing streams of just live streams of all the creatures running about. But they've also been doing Animal Crossing where they've done like brought in professionals to talk about all the sea life and all the bugs and everything, which has been great. Um, musicians, like different musicians, like Mike Shinoda's on there and he's like streaming now. And uh, Brendan Yuri, is that how you say his name? From Panic at the Disco? I think so. I think that's yeah. how you pronounce his last name. And then another one that I'm sure not a lot of people would be following up on, but actually a lot of drag queens have been appearing on Twitch and showing their talents and showcasing what they have to show because they're also suffering. But now they've found this platform where they can kind of share what they do. And yeah, it's unfortunately when you're the popular platform, like people are going to gravitate to you to get the, you know, to get the viewership that they require. So shout out to gg good and crystal method by the way in the latest episode uh, oh, latest season yeah. of drag queens them them are two like gg good's been my fave probably since the first yep i actually don't and like sort of, her yeah bit arrogant bit cocky but like right from the jump i'm like i think she's probably going to win this yeah i'm still yep. feeling a little bit that way but crystal method is just method. all kinds of good crazy i love her she just adora um have you watched the celebrity rupaul drag race that's going on at the moment i haven't but my instagram has pretty much just showed me what's been happening so you, you should check it out like it's only four episodes they've done three uh, the fourth one would have just aired yesterday i believe or it airs today um it's great like they're just getting people from completely out of the drag race community um actors and musicians and things mm. and doing like a drag race um sort of, sort of zhuzh up on these people and just seeing the turnarounds and the stories and, and just the feelings they're getting from it. It's it's great television. The third episode that was released last week is some of the best television I've seen all year. Like outside of just the drag race world, it's just the best. So give it Let's a look. They're longer out. episodes. They're about an hour long or so. Oh. First episode, great. Second episode, okay. But the third episode, Chef's Kiss again. I'm Chef's Kissing all day today. Yeah. But, um, yeah, third episode, phenomenal television. Give it a look when you can. Yeah. But yeah, poor old Mixer. Like, I thought we'd see 
Like, I'd be curious to know of, of those 37 million hours watched in April, how many of those are tied to your ninja, for example? Like, or Shroud. And Shroud, yeah. I'd say they're probably holding 90% at a guess. You know, they'd, they'd have some substantial market share of those 37 odd million hours. They're so, stuck too, aren't they? They're yeah. stuck in contracts for like, what, four or five years? But you know what? If they're paying me seven figures and whatever else, I'd, I'd do it. <laughs> I'd but sell I'm my soul to Mixer for five years. I'm wondering years. if they have like a quota, like a KPI or something like that, you know, something that they should be matching, like make sure you hold this many viewers and this many subscribers or if it was just like a no bono, just like, hey, come here, we'll pay you money. And they're like, okay. Yeah, so. I'd, I'd say there'll be some little KPIs in there based around um, like from what I've seen and dealt with personally on some of those contracts, there is minimum sub counts, minimum hours mm. streamed and things like that that they need to get to to get their end of year kickers. So yeah, but my goodness, I thought there'd be a bit more of a spike on Mixer. Like you know, I'm, I'm a Microsoft fanboy and it's a good platform. And you know, we were chatting about this a little bit yesterday during one of our 8-Bit Town Halls and Benny was sort of saying, that it is a harder platform to get into and get involved on and, and there is no sort of um, specific partner levels attached to it. And I think they're needing to add more to make it more accessible for streamers to jump on board with. Yeah, apparently they don't have like an affiliate program, so mm. it's harder to make money while streaming on it. So I could see where that would be a deterrent and people mm. would just, you know, force their way. Like I, I know it ton of my friends now that have been just started up streaming and they're on the road to affiliate just to make some extra scratch on the sign 100 percent. it's either they become streamers or they open up an only fans account that seems to be the two <laughs> options that people out there in the internet are getting amongst yeah it's all through my twitter feed that's watch me play games or watch me play with my biddies that's the uh <laughs> the two options name of the episode Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, also, there's also people out there I've noticed completely unrelated but slightly related. Like they'll go onto eBay or whatever and buy these massive, like, um, Animal Crossing New Horizons, millions of bells or rare furniture sets and whatever else. And they'll be like, "Oh, subscribe to my OnlyFans to to go in the in the running to win five million bells and X amount of crowns and all <sighs> like all six colors of the Godzilla and stuff like that." It's like, oh my goodness my gracious, God. when does this end? It's hilarious and sad at the same time. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, this has been uh, episode 195 of the Hungry Games podcast. Anything else you want to say before we close this uh, place up for another week, Miss Hart? Uh, I know we didn't talk about it, but there was the PS5 Unreal Engine video short thing that they did. I don't know if you watched it. I saw most of it and was like, okay, it looks cool, but... I don't know, it didn't really sell me on anything. Yeah, I watched it and it looked great. Uh, the Unreal 5 engine looks pretty special. And uh, yeah, the, the real-time demo they showed was Lumen in the Land of Nanite. And uh, that oh. ties into some of the technologies. So uh, yeah, um, Nanite is the new visual, uh, virtualized micro polygon geometry technology that they've got uh, in there. And then uh, Lumen, which is a fully dynamic global illumination solution that immediately reacts to scene and light changes. Okay. So Lumen is short for luminous flux, which is tied into typically um, a number system that shows light levels within a scene. Um, that's mm -hmm. just something I deal with from, from my nine to five stuff. But yeah, yeah the, the tech demo it looked nice, but mm. it was a tech demo. Like everyone's like, oh my God, next gen is here. And it's like, yeah, but PCs can show this kind of graphical fidelity now, like if you've got one that's beasty enough. Like, yeah. And yes, it is running on a PS5 um, and it probably could have ran on a Series X. This demo could have ran on a PC. But yeah, it got, got me excited. But at the same time, this is probably some tech that we're not going to see fully realized for several years, like, yeah. several, like properly implemented into game if, uh, for a few years. Yeah, like I, I know what they were trying to do with it, but like for the most part, if it was like a sales point, um, uh, it didn't change my opinion. It was cool to see, but yeah, kind of like how you brushed over. It's just like, I don't expect everything to look like this. And I hope that not a lot of people are expecting it. So yeah. Yeah, like it's cool and, and the demo is fully playable and they've sort of all, they've implied that this demo would have been available to play it upcoming gaming events like e3 and things mm. uh, if, if they were to have occurred this year 
but yeah, sort of Epic have said that this video is not meant to represent what PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X games will necessarily look like, but instead what Unreal Engine 5 is technically capable of allowing for. So yeah, gamers be mindful, don't get caught up in the hype. Like, yeah, it looked awesome and we can hope for that in a few years time. But for now, yeah, I don't think this is going to be some day one, but look gorgeous. I love that they're still doing away with loading screens with the whole sort of squeezing through small spaces that we see in a lot of games <laughs> these days to to hide the loading uh, yeah. in, in game. But it was cool to see and uh, just keeps getting that hype rolling for yeah. next gen, uh, which is we're going to be seeing in, God, within the next five months, we're going to yeah. have some consoles so in our hands. We'll just be getting more and more of these, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Episode 195 in the can. What do you reckon? We done? Yeah. Done like a roast chook. All right. Well, 8-Bit Nation, until next week, where we are back for the world first 196 of the Hungry Gamers. (laughs) Stay safe out there. Much love. Stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.